something a little bit different on today's podcast because we were recently interviewed for doctors.net podcast and we are really grateful for the support that they give us and help us to educate our colleagues on financial education and they asked us lots of interesting questions mainly about how medics money got started why we started it and how we balance running medics money alongside still working as doctors and our advice for any doctors who are thinking about setting up their own business alongside their day-to-day practice. So something a bit different. I hope that it's useful and I hope that it answers some questions that we get a lot, which is why and how did Medics Money start and what does the future hold? So let's get into today's episode. The Medics Money podcast helps doctors, dentists and other professionals make better financial decisions. Hosted by myself, Dr. Tommy Perkins, a GP. And by me, Dr. Ed Cantelow, a GP, but also a chartered accountant and chartered tax advisor. This podcast is for general information only and does not constitute any form of advice and tax allowances and rates are subject to change. Hello and welcome to this DoctorsNet UK podcast with me, Stephen Robinson. As a DoctorsNet UK member, you may have seen that we share articles produced by Medics Money, a website and podcast that helps medical professionals make better financial decisions. Well, today I'm delighted to be joined by the two doctors who founded Medics Money. Dr. Tommy Perkins is a GP partner in West Sussex with a special interest in dermatology. Likewise, Dr. Ed Cantler is a GP in West Sussex, but as well, he is a chartered accountant and chartered tax advisor. We're going to hear from them why they became interested in doctors' finances, how they set up the site alongside their clinical work, and their advice for any doctor thinking of starting their own business while working as a doctor. So, Tommy and Ed, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. So firstly, for anyone not familiar with Medics Money, perhaps, Tommy, you could just briefly explain what it's all about. Yeah, so our strap line is that we empower doctors to make better financial decisions. And what that means is two things, really. We noticed that doctors receive little or no financial education, and that can lead to doctors struggling with their finances. And that can be anything from not being aware that you can reduce the cost of those super expensive postgraduate exams by up to 40% by claiming a tax rebate, right up to super complicated issues with the pension. And so we thought that if we could give doctors some good authoritative financial education, then that would empower themselves to make better financial decisions. And we deliver that education via our podcast and podcasts like this, obviously, via our website, which has the tax guide and a whole host of other information on. We also do live webinars. And we also have a course as well, which is just for GPs at the moment, but we'll be broadening out shortly. The second thing that we noticed is that doctors struggle to know where to get good advice. As we know, or anyone that's read our articles on your site will know, doctors' finances are complicated, especially around the pension, but also for GP partnerships, GP locums. And we noticed that non-specialist advisors were more likely to make mistakes in this area. So we got together 58 of what we consider to be the best specialist medical accountants, specialist independent financial advisors, and mortgage advisors that specialize in doctors. And we put them through our rigorous due diligence process and then we can match your unique requirements to the best advisor from our network using our algorithm and we've matched over 6,000 doctors to a new advisor that way now so it's been really great to be able to help our colleagues out in this way. 
That's fantastic. And, and, and what was it that first interested you in, in doctors' finances then? So whenabouts was that? Yeah, it was a selfish interest, really. And it's about 14 years ago, because when I graduated from medical school, I was the first doctor in my family. And I had terrible debts. So I had a student loan debt, as everybody will be familiar with. But I also had a bank loan, I had a £10,000 credit card debt. And also I owed my mum £5,000. And it's going to sound wonderfully naive, but I wasn't really sure what the starting salary was. And then I got my first paycheck as a doctor and then looked at all my repayments. And I was just in a blind panic, basically, because I realized that I was in a really tight spot. And throughout medical school, I'd had absolutely no training in how to manage my finances. So how to know what is good debt, what's bad debt, and how to repay the bad debt as soon as possible, how to save money, how much tax should I be paying? What should my tax code look like? And can I claim any tax rebates on the super expensive fees like GMC fees and Royal College fees and exam fees? So over the next 14 years, I just sort of educated myself on those issues and I got quite good at it and then sort of once I got a couple of big tax rebates friends are started asking me oh can you help me do that and so I helped some friends and then they told their friends and quite quickly it got a bit out of control and I was helping loads and loads of people with their finances but I never really wanted to do this. I always wanted to be a doctor, still work as a doctor and still love being a doctor. So I tried to sort of shut that down, but it it wouldn't really die. And then I was doing a locum, actually, I think, where we met in A&E, mate. Yeah, I was an F2 in Chichester. Met Tommy just by by chance in A&E, which was a very, very lucky. And obviously you're an accountant as well, which do you want to tell them about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so I initially went to university in, a long time ago now, 1999, uh, and read economics. And then I went to PricewaterhouseCoopers in London straight after that, which is where I did my chartered accountant exams and my chartered tax advisor exams. But then I had I had an accident at age 29. Nothing particularly serious, but as I know now as a doctor, but when you're not a doctor, you don't necessarily know these things. And I was in and out of various sort of healthcare settings. And Around that sort of time as well, you know, not long after that, I read an article about how people were coping with what at the time, the financial crisis, the 2008 financial crisis. So I read that people were retraining themselves, going from finance, whether it be redundant and going into, say, becoming electricians or plumbers. But also there was this uh, graduate entry scheme that uh, I'd never heard of before where they said, you know, you can go to medical school for four years and get a bit of help financially as well. So I thought, you know what? I, I'm so grateful for the the care I got. Everyone seemed to be doing such an amazing job. My job is fine. I'm not being made redundant, but I looked into switching. And after doing lots of various things like work shadowing, volunteering, going to night school for six hours a week in Hammersmith to do a chemistry A-level, I, I applied for medical school. And, you know, when I, I finally got a place, I was just delighted and I took the punt and uh, yeah went to uh, King's College one day got posted to Chichester which I'd never I didn't even know where that was at the time uh, but I got posted there as my F2 job and uh, yeah met Tommy yeah and I think when we met we kind of talked about you know I talked about how I'd been helping our colleagues out and then you were talking about how you'd been helping out people during medical school I think you helped out somebody on the ward with their tax code who had two jobs yeah there was a that, that she went when I was volunteering at King's College Hospital before medical school and she was running the kitchen on the neurology ward there and I was just serving meals because I was a volunteer and uh, yeah she had she worked not only at King's College Hospital but she also worked as a waitress as well and they completely her tax codes were all wrong her pay was all wrong she was paying way more tax than she should be doing so yeah I managed to get that sorted for her which got her lots of money back and likewise yeah lots of people through medical school you know knew I was an accountant it was my pleasure to help them out as well 
Yeah, so we kind of joined together and started Medics Money, basically. Hmm. So what, what was it that sort of prompted you to take that next step and say, well, we're advising our colleagues, but now we want to sort of bring that together into a website, into a podcast. What was that final step and why did that happen? Yeah, I think, you know, we were advising, you know, friends and friends of friends, but it was really small scale. But we realized that there was a massive issue here. And in order to tackle that massive issue, you know, somebody needed to do something about this at scale. And after much deliberation and waiting for somebody else to do it, we realized nobody else was going to do it. And so we decided to do it ourselves. And I think the website, you know, matches people to the correct advisor for them using an algorithm. So that's automated, which is great. And our podcast is really popular and reaches 25,000 doctors a month. And so that's great. So the website just enabled us to scale up what we were already doing locally. And it's been amazing to help out more than just our friends. And we've got so many more friends from that as a result 33,000 email subscribers right now and I think hopefully we're all friends yeah, I hope so the other thing is as well is, is we were helping people fill out claims you know to claim back money or tax from their expenses so we were able to make a guide for people so we could just rather than actually go through it with them um, send them a step-by-step -step guide and let them do it themselves so that was, that was one of the first things we did I think for uh, Medics Money yeah and I think that's been part of the reason why Medics Money has worked because if people can help themselves with basic things like claiming a tax rebate using our step-by-step -step guide or fixing their tax code using Ed's amazing step-by-step -step guide we really encourage them to do it themselves and empower them to do it themselves using our step-by-step -step guides but equally if somebody's got a complex pensions taxation problem that's probably Probably best dealt with by a specialist and our algorithm can match them to a specialist so where possible we encourage people to help themselves but if we think they need advice then we have access to the very best advisors in the business and as I say we've matched over 6,000 doctors to a new advisor now which is really rewarding for us because we just love helping out our colleagues. And how do you balance running Medics Money with your regular clinical practice because it does sound like a you know a sizable investment of your own time in this project. <laughs> yeah in the early days, there was no balance whatsoever. And we would be meeting up after work on weekends, or, you know, in the evenings to work on Medics Money, which actually on reflection was really, really hard. But we were just so passionate about it. And we loved doing it so much that it didn't really feel like work. I think as well, you know, one thing that we touched on earlier is that where possible we use technology to scale things up so the algorithm runs 24 hours a day and is completely automated so lots of things are automated and thankfully since those early days we've now built out an amazing team who all help us now so it feels really sustainable to me now which is great and we've got a really nice balance we both still work as doctors we never wanted medics money to replace being a doctor and so yeah it's working really well. I think when you were a GP registrar, it was quite difficult. I don't know if you want to talk about that. Yeah, I mean, when we first met in A&E, as I said, I was an F2. So that was you know, no scope for, for doing anything in terms of my hours or my job. It had to be sort of in the evenings or weekends. And I remember, you know, quite often I'd sort of put in some music or put on the, put on the telly and, and work away. And then, yeah, I, then I think I was a GP trainee. I got posted to, to A&E for a second time. And that was also quite difficult as well. But yeah, GP registrar came along. Couldn't scale my hours back or anything like that. But as soon as I qualified as a GP, uh, I did I, I did sort of scale back a little bit of my work. I, I negotiated doing seven sessions, which basically meant I got Wednesdays off to work on Medics Money. But as Tommy said, you know, early on, pretty hard. But now I think we've got a good balance. 
the site and the podcast have been running for a, a few years now. What's the sort of one question that you get most often, I suppose? There are quite a few questions that come up quite regularly. One of the kind of biggest ones that comes up quite a lot is, is simply a case of how can I save tax? How can I reduce my tax bill? I've got this, my every every month my payslip shows this amount. How can I reduce that? To which we always say the same sort of thing. So you make sure that you, you claim all your allowable expenses to get that tax rebate. And as Tommy's mentioned, we've got that free step-by-step guide. And also make sure you check your tax code because for doctors, it's so easy for that to be wrong and that to then have a knock-on effect and mean that you're paying far too much tax, especially doctors who are at the stage where they're, they're rotating around different trusts. HMIC always get it into their head that when we move from trust A to trust B, we're actually employed by both of them and that we're, you know, we've got two jobs and therefore our tax code should be X and our tax bill should be way higher than it should be so you know a lot of people say how do i save tax or why is my tax bill so high that's quite classic yeah and we also get loads of questions about the pension obviously that's a a very complex area and hopefully we help to simplify that and a lot of the time as well although we focus a lot on complex stuff like the pension often if you just do the basics well you know that's a great start but the main thing about finances is that you know if you do nothing about tax most likely you will overpay. So HMRC are not going to phone you up and say, oh, hi, Dr. Cantello, I can see you've just taken a really expensive GP exam. Did you know you could get 40% of that cost back as a tax rebate? They're just not going to do it. So you just got to get started with managing your finances. And we have an ebook, which has been really popular. We have the guide and our podcast, which helps everyone. And then the other one, which really, unfortunately, we get quite a lot is, you know, doctors who are in financial difficulty. And that's maybe a reflection of, you know, increasing costs to train as a doctor, rising university fees. The student loan has changed a lot since me and Ed were there and is now, you know, much more debt. And also, you know, doctors have been suffering unprecedented pay cuts in real terms over the last 10 years. So we're really pleased that we work with the Royal Medical Benevolent Fund on that. And I would highly recommend contacting them if you are a doctor who is struggling with your finances or anything to be honest because we do get a surprising number of emails from doctors who are struggling really struggling with their finances and hopefully we can help them alleviate that to some extent yeah absolutely what advice would you have then for any doctor thinking of setting up their own business alongside trying to run a a day-to-day medical practice as well yeah we get asked this a lot and I just like to point out that me and Ed have never done anything like this before. So we're learning as we go as well. But I think there's three main things that you need to think about. So you need to be passionate about what you're going to do, because as I alluded to earlier, you know, at the start, we were doing it in our own time and at the weekends and fix fitting it in. And, and because we were so passionate about it and we just love helping our colleagues, it never felt like work. But you need to be passionate about it. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to stay the course. The other thing to think about for doctors, and this is a great thing, of course, is that, you know, we're reasonably well paid. So if you think you're going to start up a side hustle and instantly start pulling in the kind of money that you pull in as a highly trained medical professional, in my view, I think that's quite unlikely. So you need passion to carry you through that. The final thing is that, you know, presumably you're very passionate about being a doctor like us, but you're going to need to replace that passion of being a doctor with your new thing that you're starting. So I think passion is uh, underrated. Then the next thing I would think about would be what 
problem are you solving for people? Okay, so you might be really into the latest VR technology, which allows you to visualize yourself as a hologram using VR goggles. But how is that solving a problem for people? So if you're solving a problem for people, I think you'll do all right. And the final bit is, I think you do need a solid plan. So eventually this side hustle or whatever we're gonna call it, the side project, is gonna need to generate some kind of income to sustain itself. So you need to think about that as a plan. And I think the final thing that I would say is have a think about what success looks like to you and what you want from it. So when we started Medics Money, obviously with Ed's background as an accountant, we thought about starting our own accountancy firm. And I am really glad that we didn't do that. And I think Ed is too. I'm very glad, yeah. <laughs> uh, but but the reason that we didn't do that is because if we had done that, we would need to do that full time and that would have been the end of our careers as doctors. But we both still really love being doctors. We both still work as doctors. And so we realized that if we set Medics Money up in the way that we did, it would allow us to still be doctors and do both effectively, which has been really amazing. That's great. And just lastly then, what, what does the future hold for Medics Money and, and what could we expect coming up next on your podcast? Yeah, so we are on our 92nd episode. So we've got a special episode planned for the 100th episode, but you'll have to tune in to find out about that. But in general, we're getting closer to how it used to be because when me and Ed were just helping our friends and friends of friends, we would just have a chat with our friends, you know, before the ward round started or maybe while we were waiting for the MDT computer to fire up about money. And we're trying to replicate that more on our podcast. So our listeners send in a question that they have and we answer it. And I think that's been really a great feature on the podcast because, you know, those questions come from our listeners and, and we love answering them. And another thing is we're getting getting more and more invites to speaking engagements in fact unfortunately we we get more than we can possibly do but we try to do as many as we can and we're trying to work out how to record those speaking engagements and make them on the podcast because they're much more interactive and people ask us loads of questions when we go out and about speaking so yeah, that's what's coming up next well tommy and ed thank you both very much for sharing your story we look forward to reading and listening to more of your hugely helpful and practical guides in the near future.